0: Blog Talk Radio Hallelujah. Praise God. I am so blessed to be with you again because of God's faithfulness and his goodness and his mercy towards you and towards me and to all of our listening radio audience. This is your sister Pearl. And um, of course, this is another broadcast of In the Word with your sister Pearl. God bless you. I pray that you are enjoying the blessings of the Lord, wherever you are listening to us from. And before I open up to today's particular teaching, which we're going to continue Christ in the Beatitudes, I want to greet you in the name that's above every other name. And that's the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. There's nobody like him in all the world. He's our creator. Uh, He's our soon-coming king. He's our God. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our master. There's no one like him. And the last time that we were speaking together, I remember I promised you that we would uh, take a look at some of the other nations that have joined us on reaching out Radio International. And that's where we're broadcasting from. And this is coming from the United States of America. And thank God for Evangelist Montel Fields, who is the one that um, sponsors Reaching Out Radio International. This is her mission. And I am so blessed of the Lord to be working with her and the other wonderful hosts that come on and preach the the matchless and life-changing gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I promised you that I would tell you some of the nations that we reach. Now, I'm going to read a list that our evangelist, Montel, put on Facebook, but I can tell you that the list is not exhaustive. We reach even more nations than what I'm going to uh, share with you this evening. But I do want to give a special God bless you to every nation that I'm about to mention. So look out and see if your nation is mentioned in this list. Uh, And if you're listening to us, and I did not call uh, your country, please write in to let us know that you have been listening, and we'll be so happy to add your nation as well. I'm looking at the list, and I already see some nations that are not here that I know you're hearing the broadcast, but let me just go ahead and read. So, we praise God that Reaching Out Radio International has reached the nation of Oman, Saudi Arabia, Sri Lanka. United Arab Emirates, Czech Republic, Spain, Kuwait, Nam, uh, the DR Congo, Trinidad, Taiwan, St. Lucia, Bermuda, the United Kingdom, St. Vincent, South Africa, Colombia, India, Indonesia, Iceland, Finland, Barbados, Liberia, Australia, Nepal, Hong Kong, Nigeria, Jamaica, South Korea, China, Japan, Austria, New Zealand, Romania, Serbia, Kenya, Malaysia, Bangladesh, France, the Philippines, Lebanon, Brazil, Latina. Ghana, Zambia, Dominica, Singapore, Myanmar, Sweden, Malawi, Bahamas, Egypt, Qatar, Belize, Croatia, Senegal, Slovenia, Guatemala, Skechia, United Arab United Arab Emirates, Israel, Ukraine Botswana, Ireland, Buran, Tanzania, Ivory Coast, and Papua New Guinea. And like I said, uh, I welcome every one of these nations that I have called and you're listening uh, from, one of these nations. But I know there are many, many, many other nations that I did not mention in this list, so I ask you to please forgive me. And do write in and tell our evangelist Montel Fields what nation you're listening uh, to reaching out Radio International. And we'll be so happy to include your nation as well. Now, I know in times past, I've read out all of the nations from Oceania, because I know many of you are listening from that great continent. But also, uh, I believe there are even more nations uh, in Europe, like, for instance, Germany so many other wonderful nations. So just please make sure to uh, drop an email and let us know where you're listening to. So I just want to again greet you in the name that's higher above every other name. Let's just pray together as we go into a continuation of Christ in the Beatitudes. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of your son Jesus, I come. I'm grateful. That you're such a great God, an awesome God, a good God, kind God, a loving God, forgiving God, enabling God, one that strengthens, one that resurrects, one that transforms, one that heals, one that delivers, and and Lord, there's so many uh, facets of who you are that we will never uh, understand or comprehend all of your greatness. Our mind cannot comprehend all of who you are, Lord God, on this side of glory. But we're very grateful for what we do know of you, and we're so thankful for this opportunity to spread your wonderful gospel that sets men and women free, sets nations free, sets communities free, uh, sets the broken heart free, Lord God, and heals And binds up the brokenhearted. And so I'm asking you to really minister to us as we continue to go into the wonderful Beatitudes that you gave us on the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 5. And I pray, God, that uh, if anyone is listening tonight that feels hopeless, that tonight you will just wrap your loving arms around them. Embrace them, Lord God. Let them know you have a plan and you have a purpose for their life. Help them never to give up as long as there's breath in their veins, Lord God, and breath in their chest and breath in their lungs, Lord God. They have hope because of Jesus. Um, All is never lost when we know who we are and who we can become in Jesus Christ. So I pray that you breathe upon your servant, your word is already anointed, Uh, touch each and every heart that is listening, whether they be younger, whether they be older, whether they be male, whether they be female, or even if they're confused about who they are, we pray that you will just minister to them by your Holy Spirit, draw them to you, O God, we come against every satanic influence, every demonic force that would try to harm the people that are listening. Lord, we come against everything that is not like you, everything that is contrary to your spirit. We rebuke it. We bind it. We cast it far away from us into the utmost parts of the sea, Lord, but never to come back By the blood of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. So, it's such a privilege to be with you again, and like I promised, we're going to continue. The only beatitude that I got to last um, week was the, one, the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so if you did not listen to that, please go back to last week's message uh, from In the Word with your sister Pearl, Um, And you will be able to listen to that. That was uh, spoken on July the 11th. So if you can go to that broadcast, you will get that first part. But I'm just going to continue and wrap up real quick because I'm hoping that we can get through at least four to five of some other Beatitudes. We're not going to be able to complete all of them in tonight's session, but certainly um, I'm going to get to as many as we can. I'm praying that by the grace of God, I can complete this message by next Sunday night, God willing. So let me just give you a a real recap, a remembering that um, if Jesus is saying to us that, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that is something that is very desirable. We would want to um, obtain the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine the kingdom of heaven belongs to those that will humble themselves and um, become poor in spirit and poor in spirit I explained is not like we would often think about it in the natural sense or the way that the world thinks about poverty, but it is more a humbling ourselves. I'm going to read to you from first Corinthians chapter nine verses nineteen to twenty three And it says like this, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. And then from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 15 and 16, I had read it last Sunday, but I'm going to read it again. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So that person that is poor in spirit or makes himself or herself poor in spirit lives his life and her life for the purpose of laying it down as a sacrifice. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says it like this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Talking about Jesus himself, our Lord, our Savior a Messiah. When he came to the earth, it says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then John fifteen, twelve to thirteen, this is my commandment, that love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And we know that this is the ultimate sacrifice. And Jesus did this for us so that you and so that I might have a right to the tree of life, to the sacrifice that he made. Now, I want you to know this. No other man or woman on earth can pay the penalty for sin. Only Jesus. As Jesus was fully God when he walked on earth, yet fully man. Jesus never uh, sinned. He never disobeyed his heavenly father. He was always working and moving in the will of his heavenly father, giving us the best example possible. But sometimes you and I are asked, To lay down our lives, not to save one another from sin, but to protect one another. And what do I mean by this? I was just watching a video last night about Richard Rumbant, and it was entitled Tortured for Christ. Tortured for Christ. Some of you can get your hands on that DVD. It's put out by Voice of the Martyrs a Romanian pastor, and he was sharing how much persecution that he had experienced at one time, all because he was just a servant of the Lord. And so many times um, the, the cruel guards asked him and his other Christian um, people that were in prison with him to give up the names of other Christians who had not been Uh, yet captured and had not been put in prison and were not being tortured and were not being beaten up. And they would do the most horrendous things to them just to get them to give the names of other believers. But these people refused to give up the names, refused to tell, no matter how much persecution and how, how much beating and how much tormenting and how much torture they received, And so they were willing, and many of these people died, not just in Romania, but in so many, many nations around the world that are close to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are people that are not willing to tell on another brother or sister because they don't want to have that brother or sister be persecuted as they're being persecuted. And so um, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their own life for their friend. And so this is a part of being poor in spirit. Theirs is the very kingdom of heaven. Power in spirit is really something that we need to strive after. Because blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we make ourselves poor in spirit. We make ourselves Um, give up certain things and to protect others and to share with others the gospel of Jesus. I know for myself, and I have not gone through a lot that so many others have gone, but I have been in nations where I've slept on the floor. And I'm not saying this to um, puff myself up, but I know what it is to sleep in a very fine house. Uh, that was owned by wealthy, wealthy people. And I had a, a huge bedroom that was given to me and my own private bathroom and a large bathroom, even bigger than my own bedroom that I have right right now in the United States. And um, so I, I've experienced living like that and even having, you know, maids fan me while I'm there eating my food. But then I've also experienced the very, very opposite. I've also experienced what it is to lay on a dirt floor with a very thin mat between the dirt and me. Literally, I don't even think it was one-sixteenth of an inch thick. And I was able to put that on the dirt floor, and I laid down on that. Now, underneath that mat, it was not just a smooth pavement. There were stones and there were pebbles underneath of that. But by the grace of God, I was able to sleep there. And I did sleep. Several hours. Um, so God can help us in all situations. Now, did I have to do that? Did somebody put a gun to my head and make me do that? No. But why did I do that? I was happy to do that because I was able to go to that remote area to bring the gospel. Wow. And so I was happy to lower myself. So that I might help someone who did not. And it was not just one person, it was several people. I was among a tribal group of people in a particular nation. I don't want to mention what nation that was. But this is what it means about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's a personal example of that I, I've gone through. And I know others have gone through so much more than that. I can give you so many testimonies of people that I know uh, of personally and even people that I have read about. But that's a personal experience that I went through. Another time I was bitten up by so many bugs that those bugs stayed under my skin for about a year. I had to get all kinds of injections when I went to another nation just to be able to get rid of them. And that took about a whole year. But again, I don't regret doing that because I went to that mountainous region to preach the gospel. So it was worth it. Tonight I want to to start with a new, um, I want to continue with a new the attitude, one that we did not look at before. And that's the second one. There are nine of them. And the second one is found in verse four of chapter five. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I know that I'm speaking to some people, listening to this radio broadcast, whenever you might be listening to it, and you have been mourning. You have been lamenting. You've been grieving over a death maybe of a loved one, a friend, a family member, somebody close to you, or maybe you're mourning over a personal hope or something that you had hoped for, but it didn't come to pass, or even a relationship that you had. I know what that's like, to mourn and to grieve over a lost relationship, but the Lord of God says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So severe sometimes is the mourning that it takes possession of a person, and you can't even hide it. Sometimes people mourn so bad, and they're so low in spirit that you can literally see it on their faces. Wow. An example of people who are not mourning is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read it to you because, again, Jesus said that those that mourn over wrongdoing, over lost relationships, over a death, over um, a, a closure of something that you were really hoping for, a personal hope, a personal desire, and now that thing is smashed God promises that he's going to comfort you. But let's take a look. Even sometimes people mourn over sin that they've committed, and they're so sorrowful over it. And God wants to comfort those that are truly sorrowful and truly repentant and truly sorry for offending God. But let's take a look at the very opposite of this so that it can help us. Sometimes it's good to look at the opposite of something for us to a better understanding of, of what it should not be. Okay, so here it goes. 1 Corinthians 5, 1-5. It is actually reported, reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled, I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Now that was the apostle Paul that spoke to the church at Corinth. And there was in that church at Corinth in the Corinthian church, a man That was attending church claiming to be one of the followers of the Lord Jesus and yet he was having a sexual relationship with his own mother-in-law. How sick is that? All right? So, or this even says his father's wife. That was his stepmother. Wow. Uh, And I hate to say it, but reality is That even in 2021, in a lot of our churches, there's all kinds of not only sexual immorality, but all kinds of filth and perversion. Now, in that time, Paul said the people were not even mourning over what had taken place. And they still kept the man in the fellowship. So he was still allowed to be in the church. Paul, not being physically with them, said, "But I'm with you in spirit, and I'm going to tell you, as a man of God, as a prophet of God, and as apostle, as one who founded the church at, at Corinth, I'm going to tell you: you need to put this man out of the church. You need to separate yourselves from him. You need to turn him over to the enemy, so that the devil can deal with his flesh, and that in the with the prayers and the hope that eventually." his spirit will be saved, and he'll come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Another example of the complete lack of mourning over sin is our celebration. I don't mean literally yours and mine, but I mean in our world, in our society, in our culture today, whether you're in one of those nations that I mentioned or you're in the United States of America, and I did not mention this nation, but of course Reaching Out Radio is ministering all over the United States and Canada. Uh, and we thank God for that. But we have an, an, another thing that we are celebrating. And when there is no mourning over this, and it's an abomination to God. Instead of mourning over the perverse wickedness in our nations, they're now celebrating and promoting. And and even doing it in the presence of innocent children, we have what we call Pride Week, Pride Month, Pride Sunday, the day that we should be honoring the Lord and worshiping him. We choose to take that day and celebrate wickedness, rebel against God who is holy, and strut the most filthy and perverse things down the main street. Of most large cities in our nations, what does the word of God say about pride? This is the very lack, and the very opposite It's the antithesis of, of mourning. Pride, pride. The word of God says in Proverbs sixteen verse eighteen, "Pride goes before destruction, and an haughty spirit before fall." Better is it to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. On the other hand, it says in Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's a promise. Isaiah 53, verse 4, said of Jesus, before he even came in physical body to the earth, but it was prophesied of the prophet Isaiah in 53, verse 4, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He mourned, 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Second Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of God, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. When the Lord comforts you in your despair, in your trouble, when God embraces you, when God heals you, when God ministers to you, you are then able to go and comfort someone else with that same comfort that the Lord comforted you with. Amen. And then again, in Isaiah chapter uh, 41, verse 10, it reads like this. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Blessed are those who mourn, because the Lord himself, my goodness, you cannot have anybody better to comfort you than Jesus himself, than the Holy Spirit himself. Let's look at the third beatitude. The blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Or you can look at it like this. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. Remember we talked about what blessed means. Again, to get more of these um, meanings, please. Listen to last week's teaching, but it means to be enlarged. It means to be made great, to be made long, to, to, to be somebody that other people envy because you're so blessed. So blessed are the humble and the meek. The gentle are not people that are quarrelsome, but they're kind to all. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. That's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. Not be quarrelsome, not be harsh, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. I like what Miles Pike, the singer and a man of God, he states it like this. I'm going to quote from Miles Pike. You can look him up online. Miles Pike, he's a singer and a wonderful Christian. Meekness is not a word typically seen in your average Facebook status or Twitter post. When people do use this word, they generally mean submissive, easily led or impressionable. But the word as used in the Bible is very different from what we relate it to. The literal interpretation is gentle, but the Greek offers a much deeper meaning. The, the picture that this word conjures up is to have great power to do harm, but choosing to suffer insult upon yourself rather than using your power to cause injury. Wow. And I believe some of you have experienced that. When you it within your power to do great harm, but instead you chose to take the low weight rather than use your power to cause injury. Injury to those that offended you I hope that an immediate picture came to your mind Upon reading, uh, me reading this description Christ is the ultimate example of this attitude Attitude that should be characteristic of all Christ followers We are to love others in this way Because he, meaning Jesus Who is ultimately the judge of the whole earth Stood in our place and took the injury we deserved upon himself. There is no way to describe meekness more fully than in the condescension of Christ himself. I mean, who else lowered himself as low as Jesus did? Nobody. Mike E. Canna of Regent University, his article, Spiritual Meekness, I looked it up. It's called an imperative virtue for Christian leaders. Wow. So this is something that Mr. Kanner believes and I believe with him because Jesus believes it, so that's even more and certainly as a Christian leader, uh, we need to we need to to, to develop meekness and, 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 and we need to, to to seek this virtue. In order to evaluate and discern this objective, it is imperative to fully understand the meaning of meekness. Dictionary.com describes meekness as being docile, overly compliant, spiritless, yielding, or tame. And then the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines it as mild, deficient in courage, submissive, and weak. However, it is important to note that these modern-day definitions of meekness hold meaning from the spiritual connotation that is referenced in the Bible and utilized throughout this paper that Mr. Kanner wrote. Thus, the vernacular of meekness that will be exposed in the article that Kanner is writing may differ from the current definition that you read in your dictionary. When you exegetically, you know, you know you've heard about exegesis and how you have to look at it a certain way, the scripture, the Greek, the Hebrew. When, when you exegetically Analyze the New Testament connotation of meek is essential to dissect it in Greek in order to correctly interpret its meaning. In this dialect, the word used, used is praetis, which, conno, which conno, connotes or it, 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 it defines a total lack of self-pride. It connotes a total lack of self-pride. That's what it means to be meek to the point of a lack of self-concern. And you and I as Christians, this is me now talking. This is, I'm not reading from his paper. But I'm saying, your sister Pearl is saying, that you and I don't have to be that much concerned with ourselves, and I'm going to read that later in Matthew chapter 6, because Jesus is always looking out for us. So if he's looking out for us and he's God, our Heavenly Father, His son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is looking after us. We don't have to be, you know, caught up in a lot of self tribe. The poor and oppressed are often labeled as such, but not because they're, they're cowed down, but as a result of their humility for their own position, and therefore they place a greater emphasis on serving others. So I just want you to understand, I'm not going to read all of it. I want to read some of it, though to talk about the word meek. Another uh, meaning for meek in the Old Testament, for meek is anau, which refers to someone who's afflicted or bearing a heavy burden. It is largely an explanation about the circumstance someone is willing to endure rather than a state to succumb to. I'm going to repeat that. So to be meek, to be gentle, it is Largely an explanation about the circumstance someone is willing to endure rather than a state to succumb to. So in other words, you willingly endure something because you you many times have an option not to endure it, but because of your love for Jesus and because you're willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus, and you're willing to be meek. A great example of someone who lived this virtue was Moses, who was the meekest man to ever live. For instance, Moses never complained to God about the grief that Miriam and Aaron caused him. He simply chooses to bear the burden. Moses' meek disposition was also evident. Now, let me just explain. Moses, after his first wife died, he married a second wife, and his sister, Miriam, and his brother, Aaron, began to talk behind his back and, and whisper. So and you know how people can whisper so that you can see them whisper? Well, that's what they were doing. And they were really um, agitating Moses and, and demeaning Moses for marrying this woman, the second wife. You know, he, he simply chose to bear the burden. Of course, God dealt with Moses. I mean, not Moses, but he dealt with Miriam because she even became leprous. For a time because of the way she talked about her, her brother and his wife. Uh, she paid a price for that. But, you know, it wasn't because of Moses, it was because God did it. And, and, and this Moses, because of his humility and being meek, he, 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 he decided to endure the affliction that his sister was causing him. Moses. To bear the burden. Moses' meek disposition was also evident in Exodus, and he was literally wearing himself out, trying to help everyone solve their problems. In spite of this, he never complained. He never even gave thought to it, uh, how it could affect him personally. Hence, Moses' meekness wasn't a character of timidity or letting other people run over him. On the contrary, it was a powerful demonstration of disciplined strength, beyond what most people could endure spiritual meekness, based on this spiritual example of meekness, it should start to become more clear that this virtue refers to those who are willing to share and sacrifice on behalf of others. Conversely, those who seek dominion and will use any means to trample and crush others are the opposite of what God refers to in Scripture. For instance, the Pharisees during Jesus' day trusted in himself that he was righteous, prayed with himself, thank God that he was better than other people. That's what the Pharisees did. On the other hand, the publican pleaded for mercy, admitting he was a sinner doing this same parable. Consequently, meekness does not mean weakness. I want to repeat that. Meekness does not mean weakness. It doesn't mean that we must cower or retreat from our principles does not involve the surrender of our rights. Meek men and women of the Bible demonstrated firm resolve, courage, conviction, strength. Furthermore, meekness in our organizations as well as toward God requires speaking out against immoral behavior and wickedness. Thus it demands that we deny ourselves and act on behalf of our followers. Meekness is, is also not a submissive or pacifying state, but rather an active proponent of what we know is right. My goodness. For example, we recall the anger Moses exhibited when he came down from Mount Sinai and chucked down the tablets. Wow. And Jesus' fury when he threw the merchants and money changers out of the temple on two separate occasions. Thus, the main point about the meek is not their self-control, but rather their absolute faith and trust in God. Hence, to be meek means to always turn to God for help, for direction, for training, and for the shared joy of this blessing. So I hope that all of you that are listening in whatever nation that you're listening to, you understand now better about blessed are those that are gentle. Blessed are the gentle, the meek, the humble, for they will inherit the earth. That's what Jesus said. We're going to go to another beatitude found in Matthew 5, Verse six: there are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be
1: satisfied.
0: I, you know what? When I was looking at this particular beatitude, and I've heard about it so many times, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit was leading me immediately to go straight into the next chapter in Matthew, Matthew six, verses 25 to 34. I believe the word of God here explains it better than anyone else can. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So in other words, again, remember we're talking about are those who are hungry for a a right standing position with Christ. That's what righteousness means. To have a right standing position or be in right relationship with Christ. Blessed are those who hunger to be in a good relationship with Christ. Blessed are those who thirsty, who are thirsty. You, you, You are so thirsty. You want God so much, and he says that if you hunger and you thirst for God and his kingdom, you will be, guaranteed, you will be person that is not anxious about their own life. You're not thinking about what you're going to eat in your next meal, what you're going to drink. You're not thinking about your body, what you're going to put on. That's not what's occupying your mind 24-7. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Does God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious saying, "What shall we eat? What shall we drink? what shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you, that you need them all. But seek, sometimes you're going to wonder, well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to put on today? That's normal, that's natural. But what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6 is that your whole occupation, your whole thought should not be consumed in what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Oh my goodness. Your, your mind and your thought. And, 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 and your attitude should be more of seeking first the kingdom. This is verse 33 now of Matthew 6. But seek first. Make your priority the kingdom of God. Let the kingdom of God and his righteousness be your first thought. And all these things. Will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious. So much anxiety in our world today. My goodness, I can tell you that the the majority of it, hands down, is because people are not seeking God's kingdom. Their their minds and their hearts are on the wrong things. And so Jesus gives us the remedy. He gives us the recipe. To have a right mind Seek first The kingdom of God And his righteousness And all these things Will be added to you Hunger and thirst To be in a right relationship The Lord Hunger and thirst To experience his righteousness Which is joy And peace in the Holy Ghost. All the other things that you need will be added to you because you have a good, good Heavenly Father. So don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for its own self. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst not for this world. What does the world really have to offer you? Oh, my goodness. Even the richest people, all the stars, you know, in Hollywood or whatever nation you come from, and Bollywood and wherever, all the people that have so much wealth, the big financiers, the wealthy people that own corporations, these people at the end of the day with all their money, They still, if they don't have Christ, guaranteed they're turning to drugs, they're turning to cocaine, they're turning to weed, they're turning to pills, they're turning to all kind of illicit relationships. Guaranteed. Why? Because the only one who can satisfy their longing at the end of the day with all their wealth, with all their money, with all their possessions, with all their fame, That means absolutely nothing, and that's why people just, you know, carelessly in a heartbeat just go and take their life, commit suicide. Why? Because they're seeking the dead wrong things. But when you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, anyone who can give that is Jesus The guarantee is that you will be satisfied. The world cannot, and I want to say this very clearly, the world does not, cannot, will not ever fully satisfy. Never. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much property you have. I don't care how many things you have. I don't care if you're a a husband and you live in one of these nations where you can have multiple wives. I don't care how many wives you have. I don't care how many husbands you have. I don't care if you're in a polyamorous relationship, a polygamous relationship. I don't care what you're in. If you don't have Jesus, you're lost. And you will not, I repeat, not be satisfied. All right? Now, we're nearing our hour together. I am probably not going to go into. The next beatitude, I'll probably save that for next week, next Sunday, God willing. The next one is, blessed are the merciful. Well, that's a good one. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I can just give you a heads up next week, God willing. If you're showing people no mercy whatsoever, don't expect to get a lot of mercy from God. It doesn't work that way. And I will explain by the grace of God very clearly where we're going with this next Sunday. But I pray that you are enjoying this teaching about Christ the Beatitudes. Because if you, if you understand just a little bit of what I've been sharing, your life has to be transformed. At the end of the day, it is so contrary, the kingdom of God, to this present world that you and I live in. The world teaches you that you must get your stuff, strut your stuff, It's all about you. They teach you to be prideful. They teach you uh, to be selfish, and that's being good. They teach you to put yourself number one always. They teach you that it's the, you know, survival of the fittest. So beat your opponent to a pulp, and then you're doing good. Not really. That's not really the way it is, but that's what they teach you. That's what the world teaches. The world is very different from the kingdom of God. If you want to experience life and that abundantly, there's only one person who gives that, and that is Jesus. He said the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. But then Jesus said in the latter part of that, but I have come to give life, and that in abundance. So not only for this present world that you and I are living on planet Earth. Remember, you and I will not always be living here. We will not always, you know, be living this temporal life that is mortal. But we're going to change from mortal to immortal. And so the question is, where are you going to spend your eternity? Where are you going to to spend the remaining of your life? And your life will be lived eternally, either eternally with the Lord in his heavenly kingdom in heaven, or eternally in damnation which is hell, complete separation from God. I don't want that for you. And more importantly than me, God doesn't want that for you. He says, I don't wish that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal salvation. So Jesus is the only way to salvation. And he's the one that gave this teaching called the Sermon of the Mount because he got on a mountain. He got on a mountain, and he had the people sitting down, you know, and listening to him. And he began to teach, blessed for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and on down the line, until we get to the one that I'll start next week, God willing, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let me just pray with you in the remaining minute. And I pray that you are just, Totally keeping your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only one that is worth your full attention. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every man, every woman that's been listening to these messages on um, Christ and the Beatitudes and that you want us to live a blessed life, a life where other people would be envying us because... Uh, they see the presence and the hand of God upon our lives. And, Father, I ask that you touch each and every one. If somebody's listening and they don't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, help them to confess you and and, 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 and ask you to forgive them of all their sins. And, God, give them the faith to believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and that you – the same way you raise Jesus from the dead, you can raise them from their um, – spiritually dead position and give them newness of life through jesus christ we pray thank you for this time with all of those that are listening from around the world we bless them god bless them and help them to be a blessing give them great victory this week and help them to keep their mind focused and stayed on you in jesus name i pray the lord bless you this is in the word with your sister Pearl. I love you. Jesus loves you so much more. God bless you. Until next week. Bye-bye.